last night was something else. You know, if you're a UFC fan, I think you could relate. Uh, you know, a lot of these big time pay per views are roller coaster of emotions, right? Because you got a lot of your favorite fighters fighting, and um, you know, some lose, some win. There can only be one winner, and uh, a lot of times in this sport that's so brutal and devastating, you know, the, a loss means a lot more than just getting eliminated from like an NBA playoff game or something like that. It's it's heartbreaking, you know, it could be the end of your fight career in a promotion, you know, it could be the end of your career overall after so many losses, you know, it could be the difference between, you know, winning a championship and being able to provide for your family on a different level as opposed to losing that championship fight and just falling down the ladder, you know. It's um, it's always an experience, the UFC pay-per-view, good or bad, uh, no matter how the card plays out, it's an ex- it's, it's an emotional experience uh, always, you know, and I think we could all agree with that, especially people who are, you know, the hardcore fans out there that watch everything, you know, it's, um, it's the best at times, sometimes it's the worst at times, at times as well, right, and just about everything in between, and, uh, you know, that, but that's why we love it. That's why we love it, you know, because if it was just dull, I don't think we'd be coming back for it. So, yeah, I want to get right into it, right? You know, I, I said a couple days ago on uh, in the breakdown heading into UFC 276 that this was going to be a card of two big storylines going into it, I felt at least. And one of them was we're going to find out who the greatest featherweight of all time is. Uh, you know, through some engagement on social media and all that stuff, uh, also uh, listeners of the show have told me, you know, that, I'm wrong. Jose Aldo is the best featherweight of all time. I haven't heard anyone else. I've just heard Aldo for the most part in the rebuttal. Not anything in terms of like McGregor or anyone like that. But I've heard that and uh, I get that. But I do think that uh, Alexander Volkanovsky now cemented himself as the best featherweight of all time. I mean, he beat Aldo, right? He beat Max. He beat Frankie Edgar. He beat uh, not Frankie Edgar, Chad Mendez rather. You know, you can keep going down the line, Korean Zombie, Ortega. The guy's building a legacy, and um, I think it's fair to say that he's in that discussion. You know, he's in the whether you want to put him at one or not, which respectfully I'll agree that Aldo is in that debate. You know, whether you want to put him at one or not, he certainly belongs in the debate nonetheless, right? And, uh, yeah, listen, it's interesting because where does Max go from here now? Where does Volk go from here now? And uh, I want to get into that. Um but the second storyline of uh, this pay-per-view to me was the fact that we had Israel Adesanya, a guy who was a kickboxer, you know, did extremely well in the kickboxing world, but had one big crypto night in Alex Pereira. Well, Alex Pereira has now come into Israel Adesanya's world that he took over and said, guess what? I want to take you out in this world too. It is blockbuster material. Like, that is, the build to that fight would be absolutely unbelievable because you have something that is almost scripted because it's so good. It is so good. Just think about that, guys. Like, this dude, Alex Pereira, is almost like a bounty hunter at this point. You know, he's like a he's like a headhunter. This guy's coming for Adesanya's head, man. Took him out in kickboxing. Adesanya moves on to MMA does big things, and now he's on top of the MMA world. Now this guy wants to go follow him into his world and dethrone him there. Now just think about if Alex Pereira were to dethrone Adesanya, how insane that would be to beat a guy in both worlds, the kickboxing world and the MMA world, to take everything from him in both worlds. So 
And let's start with that one, right? The Israel Adesanya fight, the uh, the main event of the evening. Um, he had a fight against Jared Cannonier, right? And, it, you know, a lot of booze in that uh, fight, right? But it, it was also at the same time a combination of, wasn't the greatest fight, but I think it was also a combination of that crowd was very impatient last night. Like any any sign of a clinch, anything, you just heard instant booze there. So I don't know what they wanted. I, I think they wanted to see like... Um, you know, I think they wanted to see Joanna uh, versus Wei Li one for every single fight on the card, which just isn't realistic. So I get some of the booze, though. The fight um, in and of itself wasn't that great. You know, I will be the first to say, you know, and I'm on Eastern time here. Uh, so the fight was around 1 a.m., 1.30 a.m. Uh, so I was kind of falling asleep. You know, if it was a good fight, I would have my eyes would have been wide open. But. My eyes were shutting a bit, but I did. I was able to uh, to watch the entire fight and, uh, you know, watch Israel sort of um, outpoint Cannoneer in this one, get the victory. Interesting because Israel used to be a guy who, not that he used to put on exciting fights, but now he doesn't. But the tide has sort of turned, at least in the eyes of a lot of the MMA viewership, uh, meaning like fans and stuff like that. And some people who cover the sport that I've heard recently say things like oh that israel puts on boring fights now or it's not the same etc but that's the thing right is remember when him when he was you know fighting anderson silva kelvin gastelum before he was the undisputed champion uh then knocks out whitaker has his great fight against costa on that little run israel was a huge fan favorite as he still is today but he got most of that fame from all those fights right as opposed to the last three four of them right they haven't been the most exciting fights. And I think now there's a shift in the in the uh, eyes of the fans and others that we're seeing where it's like, okay, I don't think he puts on good fights anymore. Like, he fights boring. You know, like because we saw people leaving. When you have people leaving the main event of a UFC pay-per-view of that caliber, like, that just can't happen. You can't have people be leaving the main event of the fight in the third round. What does that say about the fight? I think it, it, it says what... You know, it says what you don't even have to say. You know, that says it right. Actions speak louder than words. You know, that shows it. That shows pretty much how people felt of the fight. And I guess almost in a way how the fight really did go. Um, nobody had to say anything. You know, that showed it. That spoke pretty loudly. You know, people walking out. Because I can't remember the last time that happened of a pay-per-view main event like that where people are walking out. Can't remember the last time that happened. I know it's happened before, but I'm. it had to have been a while since something like that have happened, right? So it's interesting. And now we have a guy in Alex Pereira who is a couple fights down the card, but still we'll get into that now. You know, again, a guy who was his crypto knight. Here's the deal, right? Izzy can definitely win, right? Adesanya's been on top of the MMA world, at least that middleweight, you know, for a long time now. Alex Pereira hasn't been in this game for that long. So I think there's some things that could be done from Adesanya to say sort of, hey, like I'm, you know, I'm levels above you in this game still. Like, you still have something to learn. But I don't know because here's the thing, right? Is it even going to be an MMA fight? Sure, it'll, I'm sure it'll be clinches and stuff like that. But when have you ever seen Adesanya willingly go for a takedown? We know Alex Pereira is not willingly going for a takedown. Like, those two guys in MMA never do that stuff. Never. Adesanya will engage in, like, a submission or something if he's on the ground or whatever the case may be. But... These two guys are going to keep the fight standing. This is going to be a kickboxing bout for the most part. 
Yes, there'll be some clinching because it is MMA, but for the most part, they'll separate and they'll keep it back. They'll keep it on the feet. Like they're not going to be on the ground unless somebody gets into a dominant position from a knockdown. But you know, whatever. For the most part, it's going to be a stand and bang war. It's going to be a, and when you say tactical chess match, when you said it in the past for other fights, this is to the umpteenth degree now. This is a tactical chess match right here. Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira. This is going to be maybe the most high level, uh, the most high level striking bout in a UFC match ever from both sides. Because yeah, we've had guys that you know, you could argue Anderson in his prime maybe takes is able to take out Adesanya. Who knows? I'm not here to debate that. But from one side of the octagon to the other, looking across from each other, has there ever been two better? kickboxers facing off two better just let's just say strikers i don't know guys it's uh it's an interesting one such an interesting story and even beyond that it's interesting because of what we just touched on this guy beat izzy in kickboxing izzy was great look at izzy's record it's an unbelievable record in kickboxing the only glaring red flag in israel adesanya's record in kickboxing was alex Pereira, aka his crypto knight in kickboxing Israel Adesanya transitions over to the MMA world, and guess what? He becomes a champ. He's on top of the sport now. He's dominant. He's the king, undefeated at middleweight. I can go on. He's got records, this, that, and the other. Guess what? Here comes a crypto knight from the world where he starched him into his world now, his new world of MMA, and he's saying, hey, man, I'm here to take you out again. Israel Adesanya, if they, and I say this now because they might fight next. I mean, who else is Izzy going to fight? Israel Alex Pereira just beat the number four guy in the world. That fight's going to have to happen. It's got to be next. There's no one else either. He, he wiped out the entire division. That fight's going to happen next. So think about that. Israel Adesanya, you have to win this fight. You have to. If you lose to Alex Pereira for a second time, that will be absolutely devastating for your legacy. It will be absolutely devastating. It cannot happen. Man, that would be bad. That would be... It would be sad, first of all, because I love the guy. I'm a big fan of his game in the octagon. But it's, like, scary, almost. It's like an, it's like a, it's like something out of a horror movie, almost. It's like something out of an anime, but it's almost like something out of a horror movie as well. You know? So... It makes you wonder, like, what would it go down? How would how is Izzy going to feel psychologically going into that fight? Because we know that his mind is pretty much bulletproof, at least on fight day, right? We've seen it. I don't know. It'd be interesting. And uh, we're going to have a lot more time to cover that as, it, you know, as the fight gets announced and all that stuff. If it gets announced, if it goes right, because you never know in the sport, uh, anything that happen, injuries, all that good stuff or all that bad stuff. Let's get into one that really touches home for me, one that really fucks me up, and it's uh, Holloway Volkanovski. Pull up the stats here. You know, if you watch this channel, I'm a big, I've, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of uh, Max Holloway. I think I'm a, I'm one of the bigger Max Holloway fans. You know, I, he, if he's not my favorite fighter, he's one of the, my two, three favorite fighters. And so that one really hurt, man. Um, and not that I hate Volkanovsky, Volkanovsky. I don't I don't dislike him, but I've been very adamant on this show that Max Holloway won the second fight. Anyone with two good eyes or even one, if you're Michael Bisping, knows that 
Max Holloway beat Alexander Volkanovsky the second time. I've made countless videos saying that because I thought it was fair to say, and, I, and I've been on the record, and I'm not even a rant about that because, it, you know, obviously it's done, right? But I, I would like to close with that one, more, one last time and saying that, you know, Volkanovsky was up 2-0. Why were we here if Volkanovsky was up 2-0? You know, because there's been there's been guys that have got that have won two zero and it's been close. It's not because the fights were close. If they were close and you still won the two fights, it's done. It's because everyone knows the boss, you know, their peers, the fans, the media, everybody for the most part, at least like ninety five percent of people know that Max Holloway won the second fight. And it's something that I was holding on to so much because I felt that it was Unjustified. I felt this man should have been had the gold around his waist going into this fight. But you cannot take anything away from Alexander Volkanovsky. It just is what it is, right? He's unbelievable. And I said going into this fight that I believe the featherweight GOAT, the greatest featherweight of all time, will be crowned, you know, after this fight from whoever wins it. And it was Alexander Volkanovsky, and I will stick to that and say that Alexander Volkanovsky, you are the greatest featherweight of all time for sure. 100%. You beat a guy who I personally felt was the greatest featherweight of all time prior to this fight. You know what I mean? So there's nothing you can say about Volkanovski. He is unbelievable. And there's so many things about this fight that perplex me. Just what happened to Max Holloway? Like I don't understand what happened to Max in this fight. You know, uh if you saw the Max the Max Holloway that fought Calvin Cater, even the Max Holloway that fought Brian Ortega, Yair Rodriguez to a certain extent, but I can keep going on. That Max Holloway, the brawler, the one getting your face, the one that throws the volume. I just didn't see that. I I didn't see it. You know, if the Max Holloway that had beaten Calvin Cater would have shown up, to this fight against Alexander Volkanovsky, to this trilogy, to determine the featherweight goat, you best believe I would have believed Max Holloway would have won. A hundred percent. Because I believe that guy is one of the best fighters on the planet when he's in that state. But that's the thing, right? You can do a thousand things well. You can have an incredible training camp. You can do everything well. You can feel right an hour before the fight, a day before the fight, a month before the fight, you could be feeling great. How do you feel once that horn rings? Once that once that horn is sound and they lock you in that cage, how do you feel at that moment in time? And to me, something felt very off about Max Holloway. Very off. I can't pinpoint what it is. Is it the wars he's been through? Is it the psychological thing of this guy beat me twice and if I lose this fight, my legacy at featherweight in terms of being the GOAT is over. I don't know what it is. But what I know is that it didn't feel right. That that to me didn't feel like the Max Holloway that I love, that I that I know and I love and the fans know and the fans love. And it, and it certainly was not the Max Holloway that people were picking to win this fight against Volkanovski. That Max was not present. So, I don't know. Is it the greatness of Alexander Volkanovski? 
Is it the odd performance, in my opinion, taking nothing away from Volkanovsky? I'm not even trying to hint at that. But is it the sort of dull performance of Holloway? Again, the greatness of Volkanovsky. Is it one of those two things? Is it both of those two things? I don't know. The only way we're going to find out is how this all plays out over time. Because in the UFC, I know one thing to be true. When a fighter starts losing, no matter the age, and it's weird, not always, but for the most part, it's not a rapid, or it's not a steady fall. It is an absolute cliff. You just go straight down. Guys like Tyron Woodley. You know, there's been many examples in the past where a guy just loses one and he just falls off. Even look at Darren Till. Just certain guys like that where they don't look the same anymore after a certain loss. Is that going to happen to Max Holloway? I don't think so. He's 30 years old, right? Something like that. He's young. He's got time in this game. Is he even in his peak yet? Based on the wars he's had, maybe not IQ-wise is he in his peak, but physically he's probably in his peak or was in his peak because he's been through so many wars. 30 is still a young number, but dude's been in some freaking brawls, man. But I'm sad because I am a huge Max Holloway fan. And it makes me question what's next. And something that I ran through that was a little bit interesting last night was this. Think about this scenario. Max Holloway really has nowhere to go from here but to go to 155, right? Clearly. Like, you're not getting a a title shot at Volkanovski, and Volkanovski is clearly not losing his title anytime soon. So you're not going to fight for a title next. You don't want to be the number one contender at the top just for no no prize. He's probably going to go to 155. But here's the thing. Volkanovski wants a piece of that cake. Volkanovski wants to go up to uh, 155 pounds and fight for the world title. Very adamant about that. He said that right after the fight. said it in the press conference. said, hey, if they're going to fight for the vacant title, you know, Islam or Oliver, whoever it is, put me in there. I will defend both titles. You know, I will be active champion for both divisions. Where does that leave Max? If Alexander Volkanovsky were to somehow capture the 155-pound championship, and it is very viable that he can fight for the 155-pound championship in his next fight. If he wins that championship, and Max Holloway wants to move up to 155, where the fuck does Max go from there? It's like, st- it's like a conundrum. And you can't say he goes back to 145 because Volkanovsky said he wants to be an active champion at 145 and 155 if he were to win 155-pound championship. So maybe Max has to wait to see how it plays out. It's weird. Only time will tell. My mind's like going crazy just thinking about this. Yeah. Let's move on. You know, we touched on uh, the guy who won this fight already, but... We'll talk about the fight a little bit. You know, it was a quick one. It was like two and a half minutes. But uh, Sean Strickland versus Alex Pereira. The reason I picked Sean Strickland to win the fight is because I thought Sean Strickland was going to have to make a judgment call. Or not a judgment call, but he was going to have to make a decision. 
do I want to get into the heat of the moment? Do I want to brawl like I always do or just keep the fight standing? Or do I want to be f- smart and take this to the ground? Sean Strickland should have at least... Sean Strickland should have at least hinted at a takedown in those fights. Should have at least teased the takedown attempt. Because it would have had Alex Pereira thinking about that. But to not even do that, like you just want to kickbox with maybe the best kickboxer on the planet a guy who was a multi-division world champion in glory kickboxing, you want to stand and bang with that guy in an MMA fight? Like, use the use the advantages that you have. This is an MMA fight. Mix it up. Or just tease mixing it up. Like DC was saying throughout the night with various fights, if you tease that takedown, right, you, you, you know, you faint at the takedown, or you at least go for a takedown attempt, Right. That's going to that's gonna be in their mind. That's going to make them think about that, and it's going to open things upstairs, right? It's going to be able to let your hands go a little bit more. It's going to help you, rather, let those hands go a little bit more because there's going to be more opportunities. But I didn't see that from Sean Strickland. At least hint at a takedown, right? At least uh, faint at a takedown, something. Tease it at least. But you did not even present that dynamic into this fight. I said it in the breakdown a couple days ago that I felt that Sean Strickland was going to win because, but I put a big asterisk on it. I put a big asterisk on it, and I said that Sean Strickland was going to have to win by taking him down. And I know it sounds generic, but you're not going to win a kickboxing match with this guy. Take him down, wear him down rounds three or two and three rather, and get the win. Takedowns will get easier as they come. Grind him out. Stay on top of him. Don't try to win, outscore him on the feet. This guy is going to knock you out or he's going to just do, he's going to get it done. If you're standing, he's going to get it done. So it makes you wonder, like, what goes through his head in that scenario? You know, his game plan. What Did his coaches implement that into his head and say, hey, if you want to stand with him, then stand and bang with him. Whatever you feel comfortable with. Or were they like, no, 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 be smart. Let's make this an MMA fight. I don't know. But I don't think it was a smart... Thing. But here's the thing, right? Maybe that's unfair of me to say for the fucking obvious reason that I'm not a fighter and I'm not in there. But most importantly, I would say maybe that's a stupid point or maybe it's an irrelevant point because he was only in there for two and a half minutes. Like maybe he would have done that towards the end of round one, round two, round three. But man, I don't know. I just didn't see a sign of it. And based on who Sean Strickland is, I don't see why he would have done it. So I guess shame on me for picking Sean Strickland. I was hopeful that he was going to make this, uh, you know, a dirty fight. And he didn't. He didn't. And, uh, you know, what resulted was a vicious knockout. Alex Pereira has legitimate one-punch power. Or just one-shot power. Because it can come from anywhere. He is one. He can put you out with one shot. Legitimately, as good as anyone in the sport. And a fight with him and Adesanya is going to be absolutely insane. Insane. We got uh, Robbie Lawler versus Brian Barberina, right? Um, really good fight. Uh, you know, was that fight of the night? It was fight of the night, as expected. Brian Barberina obviously, uh, you know, finished Robbie in the second round. Uh, it was an unbelievable fight. Again, like I said, you know, he got fight of the night, and deservingly so. Uh, and it was two guys that have been around the block for sure in the UFC. You know, they've been around for a long time. Robbie Lawler, uh, a legend in the sport, but doesn't seem to be obviously the same Robbie that we've seen. Understandably so. It's a natural progression in the sport. And it makes you think, what's next for Robbie? You know, is he done maybe in the, I don't know. I don't even want to hint at that, but it's fighting something that he's extremely passionate about at this stage in the game or 
is that starting to wither or is it maybe that the physicality just not there, the explosiveness, um, you know, all that stuff that comes with youth, maybe that's just not there, but the passion is. Maybe they're both not there. Maybe they're both still are there, but he's been unlucky. So I think it's an interesting thing to see how it plays out with Robbie Lawler. Um, you know, he looked good against Nick Diaz in his last fight, but I'm a big fan of the Diaz brothers, but who wouldn't look good against Nick Diaz at this stage in the game, right? Anyone in that weight class, even on ranked guys, I'd say a lot of them, you know? And then we got the last fight on the main card, or the first fight, rather, because uh, we started from the top. Pedro Munoz, Sean O'Malley, no contest. Now, a lot of people have issues with this fight. It's all hearsay. It's all he said, she said, or whatever. The only thing that matters is how Pedro Munoz actually felt in that moment in time. Did his eye actually hurt to that extent? Um, he said he was seeing black. His eye was closed. We got to give him the benefit of the doubt. If the guy couldn't fight, the guy couldn't fight. Here's the thing, right? A guy like that who's been in wars. Pedro Munoz has been in some wars. Guys, we know this. Who do you think? The guy just didn't want to fight anymore, like randomly? He's like, oh, it's Sean O'Malley. Like, I have butterflies in my stomach. It's too much of a It's too much of a moment for me. I don't think so. I mean, the guy's been the main event before fights. He's been on the main event of fight nights, things like that. Wouldn't it have been too big for him then, being a main eventer? Like, do you think the guy just wanted his way out? Or then what is it then that, oh, okay, so it's that O'Malley was just piecing him up and he wanted no part of it? Huh? I picked O'Malley, but, I mean, in what world was that fight a wipeout? Or was it was O'Malley running, <laughs> running away with the fight? Because he wasn't. Like, he wasn't. It was a pretty close fight. I actually saw some people score round one for Pedro. So this notion that Pedro wanted out, I mean, especially from people that have never been in there before, like myself, like, really? How do you know for sure? How, how do you know for sure that he, that he couldn't see from his eye? Like, were you there in his corner? Like, could, could you see his eye with a magnifying glass? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm not saying he didn't want out. I mean, I'm not saying that that is true, what people are saying, or that it's not true, rather, what people are saying. I'm not saying it's not true. But, shit, I mean, is it definitive like that? I don't think so. I think it, I don't know. Like, who knows? You know what I'm saying? To say that it's definitive that Pedro Munoz is a guy, Pedro Munoz, that guy that we know his history, he wanted out in that fight. I don't know about all that. I don't know, I don't know if, I, if I buy that. You know, O'Malley's going to do what he does. It's like when he lost the uh, Cheeto Vera fight, right? He says he's still undefeated. He's sort of applying some of that trolling tactic to this fight, raising his hand right after the fight when he uh, in the uh, when the when the uh, when Bruce Buffer rather announced the no contest. O'Malley's raising his hand like he won the fight, right? But that's kind of like I, I don't know. A lot of people hate on him for that, but that's I feel like that's just like um, it's kind of like a millennial troll tactic. And it sounds stupid just me saying that. Um, but, yeah, it's like a troll tactic. You know, people that are on the internet and shit know how to troll other people and stuff. And he kind of applies that to his fighting, you know, with fans or with doubters, naysayers, whatever. He applies that shit to that. Really, he does. And uh, I feel like that's kind of almost like the social media side of him, just doing that stuff, trolling. I don't know. That's just what I think. Um, maybe he just really thinks he won the fight. But... We all know he didn't. It was a no contest. And I was thinking that for a second because O'Malley was, like, raising his arms even beforehand. I'm like, did O'Malley win the fight? Because at that point, I'm a little tired. 
But I'm not like completely asleep or anything. But I'm watching, but because I had to rewatch all the fights today, and um, I'm wondering. I'm like, did O'Malley win the fight? Uh, and I'm like, oh no, how could he have won the fight if he poked him in the eye? Right? It's got to be like a, a no contest or something. And so it was. So we'll touch on the prelims here for like a couple minutes, uh, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Brad Riddell, Jalen Turner. It was a good fight, right? Uh, Jalen Turner, a guy who was like what? I think like eight and five at one point, something like that. Yeah, like eight and five, seven and five, and then talk about a guy who went down a weight class and put that shit together. I mean, come on, dude. The guy is now on like what a five fight win streak, something along those lines. He's now like thirteen and five, getting better. Just beat a ranked guy in Brad Riddell. Come on, bro, like that. And you know what's the thing about him too is he has. I believe he is tied for the longest active finish streak in the UFC with Tuivasa and I think Aspinall. Pretty fucking impressive. This dude, whoever he fights next that's ranked, he's going to be a very big problem. And he's a guy that is only getting better. He's young and he's only getting better. Jalen Turner, somebody to watch out for at 155 pounds in the UFC. 100%. And, you know, tough night for Brad Riddell in the office, but um, still a very good fighter. You know, um, trains over at City Kickboxing. Great gym. I'm sure he'll be able to put the tools back together and get him on track for another run. Jim Miller, Donald Cerrone. This one was sad for me at the end because I don't know if anybody thinks about it in this perspective, but as soon as the fight ends, right, and Jim Miller locks in that uh, submission, Donald taps out, you know, Donald is one, maybe the old Donald gets arm broken there and tries to figure it out and try to get out of it. But, you know, Donald is at the stage in the game where, like he said, he doesn't love the, sh- he doesn't love the game anymore. He doesn't love it like he used to. So I, I don't, he, that's a smart, a lot of times people are like, oh, bro, go out like a trooper, blackout or break your arm. Like, yeah, okay. You've never been in there before, first of all, to reiterate that point for like the 15th fucking time. But second of all, like, you're not a hero because you didn't tap. You're actually smarter because you're in a very compromised situation you're not going to get out of. And if you don't tap and you go to sleep, this wasn't that scenario. But, like, if you don't tap, or even let's say this scenario, you break your arm, guess what? That is six months or longer of inactivity because either you got suspended uh, for medical reasons, for black, you know, for getting choked out in a fight, and you get that suspension, you can't fight for another few months, or you broke a limb, and now you can't fight for six, seven, eight months or longer. Like, it's called being smart. But whatever, back to that. Donald taps out, and um, first thing I'm thinking is, whoa, Jim Miller's not the all-time leader in UFC history. But then the second thing I'm thinking is, fuck, man. Like, Donald's had literally so many big fights in his career, and he's come up short just about every time. And I'm not here to, like, be the guy to put down Donald Cerrone. It makes me sad. Genuinely makes me sad. Like, because I I wanted him to win this fight because I wanted him to have that moment. I wanted him to, to break the all-time wins record in the UFC and to have that and to ride off into the sunset with that and get that, you know, because he had a shot at the title a couple times and he couldn't get it done. And, and he had a shot when he rose back up and he had that big fight against Tony Ferguson and that was going to be the title eliminator and things didn't go his way that one. And then he had the fight against Connor and he said that was the big one and that one didn't go his way either. And a lot of those fights, it didn't seem like Donald showed up. Like, you know, like game cowboy. You know what I mean? You know how sometimes he does, just doesn't show up point blank to fights? Something he said, not me. He said it before. You know how sometimes he just doesn't show up, right? 
I didn't see that this time. I was I was looking to see which cowboy I was going to see. And the second I saw cowboy engaging early in that first round, I was like, okay, this is cowboy. So cowboy, you went out on your shield, bro. You went out on your shield, and uh, you have nothing to be ashamed of. You're a UFC Hall of Famer. Um, and listen, people are always going to remember you for a guy that put on absolute barn burner of fights. So credit to you, and uh, best of luck in retirement, you know? Ian Gary Gabriel Green. This was a very intriguing fight to me. You know, we had Gabriel Green on the podcast about a month ago, about yeah, something like that. And, uh, you know, the fight hadn't yet been announced, but um, he had hinted that there was something in the works, and I didn't know it was going to be a big fight like this. Like, wow, it was a big opportunity for him. Um, and it did, didn't go his way. You know, it was a five-round decision, obviously the win going towards Ian Gary. But, you know, one thing, two things I'll take away from in this fight. Ian Gary is talented, you know, made some jokes and all that stuff about the Connor stuff, but like who wouldn't like who wouldn't make jokes about that? It's all in good fun, but he's good. You know, he's a very talented fighter. I'll give him that, you know, a very good fighter credit where credit's due and slick movement, slick striker, you know, good kicks, good. He mixes it up very, very well. Um, again, good movement. And I think he could be a problem. You know, he can get in there with some ranked guys and I think he could be a problem. Uh, Gabe Green, second takeaway from the fight, I would say is Gabe Green's a dog, man. Like, the kid was not going anywhere in that fight, and he took some big shots. Big shots. Nothing to be ashamed of. You went in there, you took big shots, and guess what? You kept moving forward, bro. You kept moving forward, so nothing to be ashamed of. Um, get back to the drawing board, you know, and, uh, that's it. You know, you're young, there's so much time to piece this whole thing together and to, uh, you know, gear up for a run. And then we got uh, Brad Tavares versus uh, Drikas Duplessis. This was a good fight. Very good fight. You know, it was uh, maybe would have been fight of the night, but if not for the uh, Brad Riddell fight or not. Which one got fight of the night again? I forgot. Oh, yeah, it was Barbarina versus Lawler. That might might have been fight of the night, maybe if uh, Barbarina Lawler didn't happen. But um, nonetheless, uh, you know, Duplessis is very good. A guy who is very talented. Uh, you know, you get a win of, against Brad Tavares, and that might be the signal that you get a big fight coming up soon. You know, you maybe you get a ranked guy. Uh, you know, maybe you fight another guy, you know, ranked guy next, and um, see what happens there. But very impressive performance from that guy. He's someone to look out for. He's someone that's on a run, and he is someone that you can genuinely see the potential there from this guy. You know? genuinely see it and uh yeah i think we're gonna wrap it up there uh it was a hell of a pay-per-view guys you know i was there from six o'clock p.m all the way to two almost two o'clock in the morning watching that man it was it was a damn good pay-per-view from top to bottom uh international fight week for the ufc guys if you would please uh like this video as it does a great deal to the channel you know, rather than just telling you to subscribe, I'm going to tell you why you should subscribe. If you're an MMA fan, guys, we got everything. We got big interviews coming up, only getting bigger and bigger, better and better. Pause. But, you know, everything, guys, memes, interviews, breakdowns, podcasts, just highlights so much shit, guys, that if you're an MMA fan, how could you not love it? You know, when you're, you got your head laid down on that pillow at night, you're just scrolling through all those videos, shorts, whatever it is. We got all that stuff for you. So tune into the channel again, subscribe. If you don't like video and audio and you just want to listen, we're also on Spotify. If you're, you know, driving in the car and you just want to lock the phone or you want to put on the GPS at the same time, 
Again, we're on Spotify. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all that good stuff. We will catch you next time. Thank you very much.